1: Turn, up your, Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast, the Sick Podcast. with Tony Maradero.
0: 55 seconds left in the penalty, a minute and 27 seconds left in regulation time. Boston 4, Montreal 3. LaFleur. Coming out rather gingerly on the right side. He gives it into the air. back to the oh!
1: The sickest Montreal Canadiens podcast. <laughs> you
0: know I, I, you're in the fun.
1: Sports entertainment, like no other. Rejoint, on lui fait perdre la rondelle
0: une place devant. You found the dogs! John, you found the dogs!
1: playground your premier gaming destination it's gonna be sick
0: Marinero, the sick podcast on this monday august 7th how is everyone doing tonight thank you very much for joining us on youtube live facebook live and twitter live it is the sick podcast brought to you in part by energy transportation group named by the financial times as one of America's fastest growing companies in 2023. And they've been recognized by the Globe and Mail as a top growing Canadian company for over two years in a row. They work with some of the biggest Fortune 500 companies providing end-to-end logistics services. Join a winning team and check out Energy's career page for available opportunities. Also brought to you in part by... La Bita TV, brewed in Quebec, a winner of a dozen international awards. La Bita TV offers quality microbrewery beers made with premium ingredients for everyone's taste. La Bitta TV, embrace your true nature and brought to you in part by Playground. Don't miss Playground's August Million Poker Series from August 23rd to September 4th with $1 million in guaranteed prize pools, seven championship ring events, and a $600,000 guaranteed Main event located just over the Mercier Bridge. Only minutes from downtown Montreal, it is Playground. How many of you yesterday were absolutely shocked to see the Montreal Canadiens and Kent Hughes pull off the trade that they did? There are many, and there are some, I don't know why, but there are some who are still scratching their heads and asking, is this a joke, Jeff Petrie? Right now, a Montreal Canadian. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure if we have the graphic I can bring up regarding a tweet that I got in that sense and regarding the shirt that I'm wearing right now. But if we don't have it right now, we do. Oh, thank you very much to Shane Gomo on Master Control. This one coming in from this gentleman who I don't know his name, unfortunately, but you see his Twitter handle. It's at T-S-I-R-I-A-N-N. He's out of Windsor, Ontario. Tony, if you do a podcast tonight... Can you please wear the, is this a joke t-shirt and hat uh, that matters? Because seriously, is this a freaking joke? If he runs the power play, I'm going to lose my mind and have a stroke. Now to this gentleman who I don't know his name, but of course you can see his Twitter handle right here. I tell you this, your health is much more important than a sport. It's much more important than a team. It's much more important than a trade. And it's much more important than a player. Please do not have a stroke. Here's the deal. Uh, If you're not the president of the Jeff Petrie fan club, the most he can be a Montreal Canadian, the most, the most, the most, the most, the most, the most you'd have to think would probably be 19 months and he'll be traded in and around the deadline in the final year of his contract. Now he's got two years left in his contract. A lot of people believe that this is kind of like a um, he's there virtually and he's not going to be there when camp opens up or he's not going to be there when the season starts because there's a possibility of getting moved. Um, The Montreal Canadiens have said goodbye to Rem Pitlick and Mike Hoffman. They have not yet said hello or welcomed Jeff Petrie back into the fold, which leads you to believe that he could be on the move. But then again, you know who knows? I'll tell you who knows. Uh, Kent Hughes knows, Jeff Gorton knows. Let's bring in a guy who probably knows too because he had many opinions on it and he shared them via Twitter yesterday, uh, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. Eric Engels, what's going on? It's been a minute. How you been? It's very, very good. Look what a beauty we have here in front of us. All right, Eric, for those who have been hiding under a rock or just arrived back from planet Mars... There was a three way deal that took place yesterday afternoon between the Montreal Canadiens, the Pittsburgh Penguins, and the San Jose Sharks. Basically, the Montreal Canadiens became a um, dance partner to help facilitate an Eric Carlson trade from San Jose to Montreal. When all was said and done, and we have it here on Cap Friendly, the players that are changing address for now, Pittsburgh acquire Eric Carlson from San Jose. Uh, retained 13% of the salary. Dylan Hamalyuk, a 26 third-round pick from San Jose as well. They also require acquire from Montreal, Rem Pitlick. And uh, there you have it. San Jose Sharks, they acquire Mike Hoffman from the Montreal Canadiens, from Pittsburgh, Mikkel Granlund, Jan Ruta, and a 2024 first-round pick, conditional, top 10, protected. The Montreal Canadiens, in turn, acquire from the Pittsburgh Penguins, Jeff Petrie, with 25% of the salary being retained by the Pittsburgh Penguins, goaltender Casey DeSmith, Nathan Legare, and the second-round pick in 2025. Eric For those who missed your tweet yesterday and have the opportunity to watch you right now on the SICK Podcast, your thoughts break it down. Yeah, I mean, which side of it do you want? Just the Montreal end? I I think that's what people are most interested in. As a matter of fact, people are wondering, will
2: Jeff Petrie play for the Montreal Canadiens? He's got two years left on his deal. Look, Ken Hughes is going to try and trade Jeff Petrie. It's not a secret. He's going to try and trade Jeff Petrie, Um, you know, certainly I'm sure the Petries were caught somewhat off guard by the fact that he was traded back to Montreal. I know a lot of people are wondering if he had a 15 team, no trade list, why he wouldn't list Montreal as a destination they wouldn't want to go to. Um, But I don't think they could have imagined in their wildest dreams that they would be reunited with the Canadians and their fans. That said, you know, touching base uh, with them, they're all right. Whatever happens, happens. They know this business inside out, having been through it a long time. Um, It's a big adjustment. If you think about the Petrie family, four boys, um, you know, and and Jeff and Julie and where they've been and where they've come from, from Edmonton to Montreal uh, and out to Pittsburgh and it's, it's, it's a lot to handle for sure, but, you know, they're rolling with the punches and dealing with the reality that if for whatever reason Kent Hughes isn't able to trade Jeff between now and the beginning of the season, uh, they're going to come to Montreal and make the very best of the situation and hopefully be embraced with open arms because I think it's a good time to remind people it may have ended in an ugly way. You know, obviously COVID and the protocols in Canada were a little extreme for the petries to handle. And that's why they asked out of Montreal, the pandemic is now done. And I think a lot of people always remember what happened last versus what happened before that, where Jeff had four career years in Montreal and was uh, a pretty special player with the Canadians as part, part of, you know, some pretty good teams. So I think, you know, everybody has an open heart in terms of this reunion. Um, we'll see if it actually happens in the end. It is possible that come fall, Jeff Petrie will not only be a Montreal Canadian, but probably be on their first defense pairing if he remains here, because I think you probably agree if you list the guys who are their best right-handed defensemen, he's at the top of the list, even in a down year with 31 points last year with Pittsburgh. Um, And I I think he can still be a pretty serviceable player. And I, I, I also think, you know, I think there will be a team out there that believes he could be a pretty serviceable player especially if the canadians are willing to retain 50 percent of his salary in a trade which would bring him down to a 2.34 million dollar cap hit a six foot three right-handed defenseman who averaged over 22 minutes a game and at least 31 points in a season and 40 and four of the last five in montreal and that last one was 27. Um, not a lot of players like that become available at that price tag so ken hughes is not going to give this player away he's not going to be willing to retain money and give up assets to give the player away he made this trade because he collected what he thinks is a valuable asset that he could potentially turn into something better for the canadians and if not uh if that time doesn't come between now and the beginning of the season he's added uh, a player that he believes is a better right-handed defenseman than pretty much anybody he has on his roster and that's going to help them so yeah that's that's part of this deal right that you want yeah broken down. So
0: yesterday I was uh, in Little Italy. Uh E-Tel Fest has been going on for the past couple of days, an Italian festival, of Saw course. Some there, of the that, Italy, that, cool. that will. Uh, yeah. Well, speaking of which, I mean, uh, Joey, the singer was there. And uh, uh, Joey obviously is the president of the Jeff Petrie fan club, because minutes after the trade broke and Joey was performing, he decided to incorporate Jeff Petrie into a song. Let's see if we can see images of that.
1: The heart of it Petrie's back in Montreal He wants to wake up In a city Stanley Cup champions (laughs) To find he's king of the hill Atop of the heap Tell me folks
0: Who's happy Petrie's back but he can skate.
1: We don't want to see his wife and all his kids. <laughs> if he can make it here, he'll make it. Tell so me where? Anywhere. It's up to Petrie. Petrie. Here
0: he comes. All right. Okay. All right. So there's the president of the Jeff Petrie fan club. But while I was there yesterday, uh, indulging on some uh, Fumagali pizza from Fumagalli, uh, the store that you just saw there, corner of uh, Saint Laurent and uh, uh, I believe it's uh, Dante. If memory serves me well, I could be wrong, but I believe it's corner of Dante. And uh, and a lot of people were coming up to me and saying, Tony. Why would Kent Hughes make this deal to acquire a player who's got two years left on his contract when he's giving up a player in Hoffman who has one year left on his contract? And uh, if it's a bad contract, worst case scenario, you would have had one until the trade deadline this year. You might have Petrie's until the year after. And I said, well, the answer to that, is probably, there's probably four or five different answers, but it's very simple. Number one, the Canadians have some forwards that they want to incorporate in the lineup. One of them is Raphael Harvey-Pinard, and he was probably going to have a little bit of a challenge, and now all of a sudden, a spot opens up. That's number one. Number two is that the Canadians have more depth on the wing than they do at right defense. So you give up a winger, and now you just got yourself a right-handed defenseman. Number three, let's also not lose sight of the fact that the Montreal Canadiens have now acquired a second-round pick in 2025. Nathan Legarre, a winger, a young man, a 22-year-old, a good from Montreal, who will be able to um, set up with the Laval Rocket and depth at the goalie position with Casey DeSmith, which might end up leaving to a possible trade of Jake Allen at some point. Maybe yes, maybe no, and we'll discuss this. But, Eric, there's a lot of reasons. I get it. One of our followers and one of our viewers asked this, asked me to wear my is this a joke t-shirt, but it's not a joke. As a matter of fact, it's pure genius on behalf of Kent Hughes.
2: There's really there's really one answer. You say there's a few, but there's really one and it's, it's asset value. Like, let me put a hypothetical scenario in for you. Who are you getting more for in a trade? Let me put it this way. You trade Mike Hoffman at the trade deadline and in his expiring deal at $4.5 million retaining salary, or you trade Jeff Petrie with one year left on his deal beyond this one even before the season at $2.34 million. Who are you getting more for? Uh, because of the contract, Petrie. Because of the player, Petrie. Because, well, Petri, because, because of the contract, Petrie. Because of the position, Petrie. Well,
0: because- I, I said because of the contract, because we still haven't seen them play a game this season. Let's just say Petrie gets off to the worst start and Mike Hoffman scores 20 goals between now and the deadline. It, it
2: could change things, but I'll go with Petrie. We're talking today because the deal was made yesterday.
0: Yeah.
2: Mike Hoffman was in a category of players that at the beginning of this summer, not even six weeks ago, was being traded with salary retention and assets added into the deal to sweeten the deal for people to take those players off their rosters. and mm-hmm. That was the situation the Canadians were with Mike Hoffman. Mike Hoffman was coming to training camp to be waived by the Montreal Canadiens. He was not going to be a part of the plans this year even if he remained here the canadians were not going to give up assets to lose him uh, on top of retaining salary which is not something they really wanted to do in his case they were going to waive him so it's about asset value and when you're able to turn negative asset value into something that could have much greater value on the market um that becomes a pretty enticing possibility even considering the complication of bringing jeff petrie back here after trading him a year ago go back to that trade like the canadians traded jeff petrie at 6.25 million dollars with three years left on his deal they didn't retain any salary they got Mac- mike matheson who they signed who had a career season uh and looks like he's really come into his own and and has a few years ahead of him of continuing to play really good hockey if he can stay healthy uh, they got a fourth-round pick. Ryan Paling was included the other way back. And now they traded a player that they absolutely were going to waive, uh, along with Rem Pitlick, who was looking to get out of Montreal after the way his last season went here and dropping down the chart with guys like Raphael Harvey Pinard, and Alone and coming, for assets, for, for Petrie and, and the asset value that we just discussed. Casey Casey DeSmith, who, like you said, could open up the door to a Jake Allen trade down the line or even a Casey DeSmith trade down the line uh, or a Caden Primo trade. Or if they lose Primo to waivers, they've got NHL security. Uh, they get a second round pick in 2025. Um, and if you speak to anybody who knows anything about the draft, and I've always said I'm not an expert in this, but I speak to a lot of people who are. Uh, They believe that the 2025 draft is infinitely better than the 2024 draft. I had one person who's a very high-up executive in the league, even yesterday as I was discussing this, say to me that they believe the 2024 draft is awful, quote-unquote. I take that stuff with a grain of salt because I don't necessarily believe that the 2023 draft was the greatest of all time as it was being billed, and uh, I'm sure the 2024 draft will produce some pretty great players too. But I think they hit a like there was a lot of reaction that i gauged after explaining montreal's end of this deal you know Uh speaking to my sources to get that that explanation together as quickly as i did um that we're saying somehow eric carlson gets traded to pittsburgh and san jose gets all these assets and and montreal potentially wins the deal um and i don't think that's categorically untrue i do believe you know for what pittsburgh is trying to do and trying to maintain their status it's okay to to get Carlson that's he just won the Norse trophy and he should be pretty amped up to play there will it help them win a Stanley Cup I I have serious doubts but it doesn't give it doesn't give them worse chances let's put it that way but I don't see how anybody could be slicing this and saying Montreal came out as losers of this deal they came out big time on top of it so it
0: was uh, what it was in training camp of last season that Jeff Petrie finds himself in the locker room of the Pittsburgh Penguins and a reporter goes up to him and says, how do you feel about being a Pittsburgh Penguin now? I would imagine where, you know, standards are higher than Montreal over the last couple of years, maybe even decade, you know, a couple of cups, this, that, whatever, all that stuff, three cups. And and this is the answer that Jeff Petrie gave.
1: One goal, but, um, you know, I've noticed, um, you know, the standard here is, is just walking in is, is higher and it's uh, you know it's not
2: just to you know have a good regular season it's not just to make the playoffs it's I mean they put a you know a high standard on, on one to, to win the Stanley
1: Cup so that's uh, you know that's exciting for a guy um, you know like myself
2: who's come close but has never won it so um, you know to come into a room where you know you have lots of guys that have been there and and won it, and, and they all want
1: to do it again. So that's that's the exciting part about coming to the, this year and this team.
0: All right, so when I heard that for the first time last year, uh, whether it was true or not, I didn't like it. And I'm gonna tell you why. Kent Hughes was great with Jeff Petrie. Uh, Jeff Gordon was great with Jeff Petrie. They tried their best to accommodate his and his family's wishes, and they did. They wished him well when he was gone. They were first class. Right. Even if it was true, if I was Petrie, I don't think I would have answered that. Right. Because you had an organization that basically, quote unquote, just did you a favor. I've seen the
2: clip. We haven't seen the question.
0: Uh, I actually heard the question. So, so to be I'd fair, like to
2: hear the question verbatim, because honestly, yeah. I don't know if Montreal was brought up in the question.
0: Yeah, no, no. To, so to be fair, the question was something like and we'll try and find it. But the question was something like. You know, how do you feel about going to an organization that, you know, has higher standards, has a higher standard of winning in the last 10 years or whatever? So, you know, he is answering the question, right? But a lot of people like to do, you know, take the the answer, like we just did, show it, and, and it, it makes headlines and all that stuff, okay? Now, so I wasn't happy with it either. There's a lot of people that aren't happy with it. But this is what I tell you, Montreal Canadiens fans. This is why Kent Hughes and Jeff Gordon – are such a great duel. I have complete trust. I really believe they're going to bring a Stanley Cup back to Montreal one day or they're going to come awfully close. I believe they're going to be good for an extended period of time. Actually, I'll even say very good. Why? Because in business, you don't hold grudges. It's business. And if that comment offended you last year, It doesn't matter what it meant for Kent Hughes or Jeff Gordon. It's business. And by bringing Jeff Petrie back, they believe they've done something great for asset management, the business of running this hockey team. Because like you just said, they had Pittsburgh retain the salary. They'll be able to trade him at a lot less money than when he left here. If he happens to stay here, he's going to fill a void at right defense during the time that some of the younger defensemen are able to come in and play full-time. And it's just, you know, they're able to add, once again, goalie depth. They're able to add a winger from here for the Laval Rocket. They're able to add a draft. What great business people are running the Montreal Canadiens right now? Gordon and Hughes,
2: wow, they're good. They're really good. Well, I think you're, I think I would agree with the assessment that they're able to divorce emotion from their decisions. Um, they are doing business and they're doing smart business. And you and I are in a similar position and we walk around Montreal. Some, sometimes we get recognized. Sometimes we get asked questions. Sometimes we're with our close friends and we get asked questions about what we think about what's being built here. Um, and I would suggest that within the primary phases of what Hughes and Gordon have embarked on, there's very little question as to whether or not they've been successful. They they have nailed this part of it from the hire of Marty St. Louis to the growth and uh, of their infrastructure, to the harmony of the organization, to the um, cutting edge development tactics that you're seeing them employ. Like I watch videos that some of the teams put out on social media of what they're doing from a development standpoint. And it's really just skills work and stuff that honestly is is 10 years ago um and it's funny because the canadians for a long time didn't even have that stuff that was being done 10 years ago Mm -hmm. with the hire of adam nicholas kind of projected themselves 10 years ahead um put themselves ahead of where a lot of teams in the nhl are in terms of what they're trying to uh, establish in that work i think from a development standpoint which was the biggest need of the entire organization they have come light years ahead from where they were. And that's gonna be the biggest factor in whatever success they have moving forward. When they're in position to make this team better, when they can take advantage of the team finally being good and turn it into a great one, we'll see what they're able to manufacture, what they're able to produce. Um, If previous success dictates future success, the Canadians fans should be really excited. But it takes a lot of boldness to be able to do what, say, Las Vegas has done, what Los Angeles has used as a model to improve. Um, it takes a lot of guts to make some of the decisions that a team like Vegas has made to get there and win the Stanley Cup and not just be competitive uh, every year and give yourself a chance. And we'll see if they have the guts to do some of the things that are required. But I I I don't think they've given much of any reason for anybody to be doubting that they'll be able to pull the trigger when it when it comes time. Um, I really think coming back to that Petrie comment, I think I don't think I think it's so easy for a Montreal fan to watch that and think it's an indictment of the Canadians. Uh, mm-hmm. I really I really think it's about the culture that is so obvious around the Penguins. And I, I'll tell you, I remember going. It was probably two years ago to Pittsburgh. I was at their practice facility watching the Penguins practice. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you that no team in the NHL was practicing with the level of intention and speed that this team was under Mike Sullivan, and the it's embedded in the culture, and it just oozes we are champions, and we approach wow. every game and every day like champions. And uh, I think it makes a very strong impression on any player yeah. that runs there immediately, and I think that's probably – where that comment came from. And, and again, I think this is a good chance to remind fans, don't just watch those clips and jump to conclusions. Listen to the questions, find out exactly, because you know a lot of the words could have been put in his mouth before he even said them. But yeah. at the end of the day, we're talking about where Petrie left the Canadians a year after a Stanley Cup run uh, and, and a year of absolute turmoil and disaster to coming into a penguins room as i just described it led by Sidney crosby mike sullivan and and the champions of the last you know couple decades so anyways
0: i think we have the question hold on a second i think we have the question but maybe from my phone let me see if i got it okay all right okay hold on a second he's i have a clip here where he's asked two questions okay so the first one is not the question and now let me see if I can get the second one for you. And I think I can. It, it comes from the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins Twitter handle, by the way, which was back on the 27th of September of 2022. So you can find it. But here we go. What's like the expectations are the highest highs, for the part it like being on a part of a team here, where the expectation are the highs of the highs. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe in Montreal the standard wasn't quite there. Is that uh, like the way it is here? Is that a fair definitely statement?
2: definitely off the year that he was coming off of for sure? Yeah, is that a fair statement to say the gentleman yeah. is? So uh, anyway, again, I still don't see it as an indictment of Montreal. Okay, much as it is uh talking about the culture. That and the standards that have been set in Pittsburgh for quite some time.
0: The standards are very high at Murphy Clinic, an aesthetic clinic specializing in medical aesthetic care. A shout out to Pamela, the lovely Panama. Pamela was running a great clinic and her uh, lovely staff. They offer permanent hair uh, laser hair removal, as well as a wide range of treatments for skin problems, such as acne, rosacea, fine lines, and more. They currently have two clinics, one located in Montreal, Shop Angus, and the second one on the North Shore, Interbun. They're also opening soon in Quebec City. Visit Murphy Clinic, or on Instagram at Murphy Clinic. All right. One quick look at the Habs Cap situation. This coming from Cap Friendly. If we can, we'll bring it up. We're we'll trying and bring it up. Shane Gaumont and Master Control. Not so sure if you have it or not. The Habs Cap as per Cap Friendly. Do you have it? All right. So, well, if he doesn't have it, I will actually uh, send something to him. Um, no, you know what? Uh no, I, so I actually, no, we don't have it. Uh, let me see if I find it, but they're what? They're, they're 5 million over the cap, Eric. I can't tell you offhand. I don't want to give you the wrong number, but. Okay. All right. Yeah. Okay. But I, I saw it yesterday and uh, I'll end up just reading it here. I should have it. Uh, okay. So uh, with uh, the Montreal Canadiens currently at 5.171 over the cap, GM Kent Hughes will likely make additional moves between now and October 9th. Yeah. Ideally, Montreal will want to start the season either below the ceiling or ten point five above, in order to maximize carry prices ten point five LTIR cap hit.
2: Well, the thing, the, the the only thing to really do is put carry and LTIR upon the start of the regular season. That's it. They don't have to do it. Now, in fact, it's very beneficial for them to not do it now. Um, And I don't think anybody wants to hear about the complications of off-season long-term IR, but it just makes managing the roster on a day-to-day basis in the regular season very difficult and creates potential overages for the coming seasons uh, that would affect the amount of space the Canadians would would have at a time where they're becoming more competitive and want to spend money. So uh, they're not looking to make any type of drastic moves that bring roster players in here and affect that situation where they'd have to place Carey Price in long-term IR during the off-season. Uh, it just right. really, really complicates things for, for them.
0: Now, okay, on social media, there are some who are talking about Casey the Smith and something that happened in the past. They brought it up and they're actually quite offended That Kent Hughes went out and acquired this goaltender. There are others who are saying, "Hey, come on, man, get over it. It was nine years ago. Everyone deserves a second chance." And there are others who are actually upset with people who are bringing up a story from nine years ago because, you know, they want Casey the Smith on the Montreal Canadiens and they want him. uh, They don't want him to have to go through all of this. But because. Um, our job is to try and gather as much information as possible and put it out there. And then, you know, the fans can decide we have to bring it up. Okay. So back in 2014 uh, and here I'm reading uh, from a story. It was actually from the hockey news university of new Hampshire starter. Casey, the Smith was booked during moving weekend for allegedly punching and spitting on a woman, It's the latest unsavory event involving a Hockey East player. um, So arrested on domestic assault and resisting arrest charges uh, after a woman accused him of attacking her during the school's annual move in. Um, And um, I I think the Smith had gone on to say that there was there was some alcohol involved. Uh, and you know, he regretted a lot that happened. Um, uh, but at the same time, uh, he said that not all the facts were out there at the time. Uh, look, I don't have all the, uh, you know, all the details about this, but how do you feel about it? How do I feel about it? How do you feel about the fact that Kent Hughes went out and acquired, you know, a player who was arrested back in 2014 and the
2: allegations were what they were?
0: I mean, is it, for you, is, is it's this really
2: it's really hard for me to react, if only for the fact that this is the first I've heard of it. And I'm sorry it's the first I've heard of it um, Were the allegations turned into criminal charges. Was he charged with this? Like, were, I have no idea what repercussions came from it. It's very hard to react without having all the information uh, other than to say that if he was charged and proven guilty of doing that, Um, that's certainly a massive indictment of character. Um, I have a hard time believing he's made it, you know, with the penguins for as long as he did, uh, without, without them doing their due diligence on it. You know, like it's, it's hard for me to react instantaneously. No, no,
0: it's, it's all noted, Eric. And, uh, and, uh, probably should have run it by you. So sorry about that, but this is what I'm going to do. All right. Uh, I'm going to be reading off of Wikipedia here for the very first time because it seems that they have more details and it can probably answer some of the questions, okay? So here goes. In September of 2014, the Smith was arrested for assaulting a woman who either was or had formerly been his girlfriend. He was suspended from the team immediately after his arrest and he eventually was permanently dismissed. The Smith accepted a plea bargain on December 4, 2014. So three months later. He pleaded not guilty to all charges against them, including domestic abuse, with the exception of a single count of disorderly conduct. Under New Hampshire law, disorderly conduct is considered a violation rather than a misdemeanor. He was sentenced to a $124 fine and 12 months of probation. He also signed a diversion agreement that included community service, which would lead to all charges being formally dismissed, after 12 months, the Smith met the terms of his plea bargain and stayed out of further trouble. He was never reinstated as a University of New Hampshire Wildcats hockey player, although he continued to be enrolled as a student. And he did not play anywhere else all of that season. Despite the uh, Smith applied for a waiver transfer so he can play for another school, but the NCAA had denied his request. And according to the Smith, several other schools were interested in him at the time. So then he went from there to the East Coast Hockey League. And of course, and uh, now he finds himself in the National Hockey League and from Pittsburgh to the Montreal Canadiens. And uh, and that's it. So I don't know if that maybe, um, you know. Was well, a assuming, more assuming, w-
2: but- assuming Wikipedia is accurate, which is a generally large assumption, um, sounds like whatever happened got settled one way or another. Yeah, it doesn't sound like a pattern of behavior. Um, I can't speak to what happened or whether or not it did happen in full in the way it was alleged. Um, If he did a plea bargain and pleaded not guilty on all charges and was only held to disorderly conduct, uh, I would assume there wasn't proof of some of the allegations. Whether or not that means that they happened is another story. I think generally when... Uh, victims of any type of abuse alleged that said abuse has happened uh, i think you know i tend to believe them um but i don't know you know like i i don't know enough about i hear you no, not on it.
0: would you okay let's, let's streak back to hockey if we can here yeah um um would you assume
2: by the way that, about casey Desmith. smith yeah i do wonder you know everybody's wondering about how happy jeff petrie or unhappy jeff petrie might be about coming back to montreal which mm-hmm again as I said, I touch base with and, and just to see how everybody's doing there and that they seem to be all right and willing to do whatever they have to do as, as professionals and having been through this. But I don't think anybody's really talked about Casey DeSmith in this situation who's going from a situation that might have been a bit more open and net in Pittsburgh. So
0: hold, hold on a second. Pardon me, pardon
2: me. Yeah. Did you did you touch
0: base with Jeff Petrie? Uh,
2: I touch base with the family. Okay. I touch base with the family just just to check in, see how everybody's doing. Everybody's doing all right. It's a whirlwind. Okay. But, uh, you know, like I said, and I said it off the top here, whatever happens, they're going to roll with it. And so we'll see what happens. Okay. Uh, as far as the Smith is concerned, though, and the point that I was making, like he's going from a bit of a more open possibility in Pittsburgh to a four goaltender wheel in Montreal. I wonder how he feels. Jake Allen, Samuel Montembo, Casey the Smith, and Kaden Primo. Yeah.
0: And, well, he's in a, and he's in a contract year. Look, it leads me to believe that they got Casey the Smith, just in case they lose Caden and Primo, and it leads me to believe they got. Kate. Look, th- this is a brilliant. It, look, it's a brilliant move to add goaltending depth. Why? There's a chance you lose Caden Primo. Uh, you have a Jake Allen who's older than the rest, and what you're trying to do with your veteran players is acquire assets for them and move them because by the time you're ready to be a cup contender they're not going to be here and there's the wild card in all of this is that samuel Montembeau's contract is up in less than 10 months in less than 11 months and you know as my buddy max truman from Donny coulis put it earlier today What if Montembeau's agent wants to negotiate with the thought in mind that he wants Montembeau to be paid as a number one and the Canadians want to pay him as a number two? At that point, does he move on? So there's you have three other goalies. I think
2: you're touching on something important, which is not just that the Canadians acquired depth at a a position where they needed some. They acquired flexibility. That was the acquisition they really made here they acquired flexibility you know all the scenarios that you're talking about whether it's montanbo De smith primo allen whatever iteration of the two of them whatever mm. iteration of three of them whatever happens with injuries they have flexibility they can they can decide based on performance they can decide based on what makes sense contractually yeah um i think sam Montambo took a huge step in his development last year and also showed that development for goaltenders tends to happen around that age group that that Sam's in and um he needs to continue to take big leaps forward if he wants to be paid like a number one um he has i would say the number one job in montreal to lose right now and he very well might he could you know you're only as good as your last game uh, especially at that position, and I think if you have that mentality, you have a much better chance of maintaining that position. And I would suggest he earned the designation that he is Montreal's number one right now. But he could lose that very quickly with the depth of the position and the flexibility the Canadians have. So we'll see where it goes. You know, I, I think he'd probably love to get signed now and not have to worry about it moving forward. And a deal that'll be fair for the Canadians and a deal that'll be fair for him based on what he's already done. But if it doesn't come to be that way, he's got a lot to prove to be able to get the type of deal that he will really want and be comfortable with. So it's gonna be really interesting. It's gonna be a big storyline. And as I tweeted yesterday or Xed or however we put it now, uh, posted, there is a scenario where the Canadians go into the season with three goalies on their roster, and I'm not suggesting they're going to go through the season doing that, but if it comes down to that from an asset management standpoint so they don't lose a goaltender like Primo via waivers, um, maybe that's exactly what they'll do. So we'll see. I,
0: yeah, I wish I had a crystal ball to answer my next question, but it's a, it's a very – and, and you know, I think it's a very important question to be asked and if you have the answer to this, it's like having the recipe to the caramel bar. Really, it is. You know, Casey DeSmith, Caden Primo, Samuel Montembeau, which of these three goalies has the potential to be the best out of all of them? And I look at De Smith, and I probably can answer the question a little bit because De Smith is 31, and he's going to turn 32, Next week. And so Jake Allen is 33. And as a matter of fact, today's his 33rd birthday. So happy birthday to you, Jake Allen. So the Smith and Allen being in their early 30s, one's going to be 32. The other one turned 33 today. I guess it comes down to Montembeau and Caden Primo. And now in Montembeau and Caden Primo, Caden Primo, you're going to have a goalie who's going to turn 24 in a couple of days. And in Samuel Montembeau, you have a goalie who's going to turn 27 at the end of October. Once as an organization, they've answered this question. I think they'll be able to make moves consequently. Um, in that, in that direction. Right. So do you have an opinion on this? I mean, because of the, as much as I love Primo, I think the answer is
2: Montembeau. I think the logical answer is Montembeau, especially given not just what he did with the Canadians this past season and establishing himself as an NHL goaltender and perhaps even a really good 1B. Um, It was really what happened at the World Championships of Hockey where the pressure was on for him to win and how much that might have catapulted him in terms of his development. That's huge. Um, I will say this. The Canadians don't want to lose Caden Primo for free. The Canadians still believe in Caden Primo. Um, He's had a lot of ups and downs. It's been a difficult run at times. Injuries have hit him at bad times, unfortunately. Um, Opportunities to play in Montreal have come at very bad times where they had no options and were playing awful. Uh, and no, the sport team, the team was
0: decimated and not very good to yeah. begin with.
2: Yeah. And I have spoken to people, including the Canadians' goaltender coach, who believe very much so that Caden Primo can be a really good NHL goaltender. And I think there's a lot of people in the fan base who have completely given up on that notion. And I think it boggles my mind a little bit because I still believe. I still believe. Yeah, and you should because he has the abilities. He has the mentality. He is very dedicated to the sport, but also take him out of the equation. When Sam Montemo came to the Montreal Canadiens, everybody watched him play and said, this guy is not an NHL goalie. And and most people who were banging their fist on the table and saying, this guy's not an NHL goaltender and he has no idea how to play the game, were the same people who were after a five-game good run last year in, I don't know, January last season, we're, we're begging for him to be anointed the number one goaltender of the Canadians immediately and never start Allen for another game and Montembo. So all to say, development doesn't end at 26 for a goaltender, especially at the NHL level. It takes. That much time to really get there and show what you can do, and that's kind of been proven around the league. Uh, Jake Allen is another great example of how long it took to get to a place where he could be as good as he was before Jordan Bennington came in there and, and helped them win the Stanley Cup. Yeah, uh, it's it's a never-ending process, and I just think people who are giving up on Caden Primo are. A little foolish because you should be looking exactly at what ha- has happened with Sam Montumbo in the in the You're meantime.
0: right. You're right. Perfect Eric, example, Eric. In ending, all right. Put you on the yeah. spot here, but it's not the first time. It won't be the last. And you're a big boy, and all oh, you can take it. Prediction time. Hmm. Does Jeff Petrie play a game with the Montreal Canadiens
2: this season, or has he dealt before? Then I'm going to give you like a percentages prediction instead Got of like that, as, me. instead of like a certain. I would say there is a 65% chance that Jeff Petrie is traded before the season begins. And I still believe 35%, checking my math, 65 and 35. Yeah, that's it. That makes 100, even in LaSalle. 35 is still a pretty big big number, right? Yeah. There's still, I'm gonna reiterate, Kent Hughes is not trading Jeff Petrie just to trade Jeff Petrie. Like that's not happening. He has collected an asset that is valuable. There's no question it's valuable. And if teams can't step up because they've already spent to the cap or spent too much right away before the beginning of the season and give the Canadians what they would be happy with and accept in a deal for Jeff Petrie, he'll start the season here. So I'd put it at 65-35 because I still believe there are some teams out there that will look at Jeff Petrie 6-3, 22-minute a night, 31 point last year in a down year defenseman uh, and see something that could really help their team. Uh, And I would suggest that if Jeff Petrie would really prefer to play elsewhere, he'll have to potentially be flexible with his 15 team, no trade list. You know, there might be a team or two out there. Look, you know, I've had numerous sources confirm to me that they denied a trade, to san jose uh before all this went down uh, uh-huh. i don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago or whatever it was but when you think about it that's san jose
0: seems like a pretty cool place to live
2: i know but san jose was on their no trade list and yeah neg the trade there and he ends up back in montreal i mean it's you can't yeah. even write this stuff total shocker Will he play here? I'd say 35% chance he'll play a game again as a Canadian and the 65% chance he'll be traded before that reality comes to pass.
0: And if that 65% materializes, I'm going to give you uh, three teams. Edmonton, Detroit, and Vegas. And even though Vegas won the cup, I'm just – he was Dominic Ducharme, Jeff Petrie, yes, no. Uh, let me give you Edmonton and Detroit. Edmonton and Detroit are the two teams.
2: I, I, don't, um, I don't think Edmonton – no. I'd be really surprised with Edmonton. Um, you think not, it's that going would, to not that I would suggest they wouldn't have interest, but I'd be very yeah. surprised. Uh, Detroit should have interest when you yes. consider what they're trying to do with their team and the fact that they have liked Petrie, but they didn't like the idea of Petrie at 6.25 for more than two years. Um, and all of a sudden they're looking at a third of that price for what would be just two years um i think there should be interest but whether or not they'd be willing to pay what it takes and they have cap space uh is 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 another question that i have i think one team that i would give you that i'm not saying i've heard they have interest or anything like that but i think a team that should absolutely have interest in the player and you know i don't know what petrie's willingness would be to go to that market is buffalo I think if I was Buffalo and looking at the two young defensemen and Owen Power and Rasmus Dahlin and what Petrie could bring in terms of an upgrade on some of the guys they have there,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I think that would be really a team that should be interested in the player. And uh, like I said, nobody's telling me that they are. No, I hear you. I think that's a team that I would look at.
0: Yeah, no. And uh, I wonder about uh, Vancouver or Seattle this way, uh Mrs. Petrie wouldn't be very far from Mrs. Price. We know that they are—they're business—they are, uh, they're they good are business, they're very good friends and they're business partners, right? They're business yeah. partners, yeah, as well. Hey, Eric, this has been a lot of fun. Thanks so much for doing this, man. Uh, breaking down the trade the way you did, top notch. We'll talk to you soon, bud. Pleasure. Eric Engels of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. I'm Marinaro. Checking us out. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already. And if you have and you like it, like it, share it with your friends. Comment. S-I-C-K. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts if you love the podcast. And if you don't, please leave me a five-star review. Anyway, I'm a really nice guy, despite maybe some of the things you may hear. They're all lies. I'm a nice guy. Uh, For Sammy and Yellow and Juliana. They're Caballero and Shane Gomo and Master Control. I'm Marinero.
1: And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the Sick Podcast with Tony Marinero on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts. The Sick Podcast is brought to you by Energy Transportation Group, driven to be different. Lobby.tv. Embrace your true nature and Playground, your premier gaming destination.